Hey and welcome to the College Student Success Podcast, a podcast where college students and faculty come together to talk about mental health, wellness, mentorship, and entrepreneurship. Together, we set and achieve goals for ourselves to get us where we want to be. I'm your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 101 of the podcast. And welcome back. Sorry, last week, epic fail. Uh, did not get to put an episode out. Sorry about that. I really like to keep to my commitments. And uh, I said in the beginning of the semester that I was going to, you know, make this the last um, consistent epi- uh, season, for lack of a better term, uh, where I do an episode a week for the entire semester. I granted myself a uh, spring break off, but um, as we wind down here, uh, I've struggled a little bit, so I apologize for you there. Um, biggest, you know, reason for that, you know, comes from or stems from the reason why I've decided to shift the podcast to more of a um, record as I am inspired type of model rather than a keep to a, a regular consistent schedule. So, you know, the fact of the matter is, and this has been the last couple of years, you know, when I get to the springtime, end of the semester, end of the spring semester, I'm a little ugh, starved for ideas, I guess. Um, not really sure what I want to talk about. And I don't like just kind of making up uh, an episode for the sake of having a spot to fill. I don't really feel like my best work is done that way. So I don't really want to do that. Uh, so this last week... I was really racking my brain all week to try and come up with something, and I never did. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to put an episode out this week rather than put out, you know, something uninspiring. So um, so that's the reason why there was no episode last week. Um, this week, my plan is to uh, – I've actually went back. I have a sort of a list of all of – a bunch of ideas that I've had for episodes over the years and if I have an idea, I just jot it down, and a lot of times they come to fruition. But a lot of times, I'll just have some that stick on there because I guess typically I don't have enough info or I, I don't have enough to say <laughs> to fill an entire episode. So they've just kind of lingered. So I decided this week, again, I was having this problem heading into the week of really not being in any better position to talk about something. I, did, I was not inspired. So I looked back on that list again, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to take a couple of these epi- a couple of these themes and talk about them today in sort of a potpourri episode. So I'm going to actually, instead of focusing on one single specific issue or topic today, I'm going to focus on three. <laughs> uh, one of them is a, a book that I'm reading. And uh, I'm almost done with it. I've, I've been meaning to talk about, and uh, I'm close enough to being done that I can talk about it. Uh, another is a program that I had had an idea of uh, bringing somebody on and interviewing them about. Uh, just never came to be. So I'm going to just talk about the program today. And if you want to learn more, I will link to it in your show notes. And I'm going to end with a discussion, uh, a little bit of a discussion on uh, lifestyle design. So... Let's get into the topic now. Let's do the um, let's do the program I've been meaning to talk to you about first. So I'm just getting a uh, website up here. So the program is called Photo Voice, and Photo Voice is something that I learned about a few years ago uh, through one of my mentors, Michelle, who's been on the epi- uh, 
been on the podcast before a few seasons ago, Michelle Mullen. Uh, search for her in the search box on the on the website, College Student Success Podcast. If you want to learn more, she's amazing. Um, she did a presentation at work about photo voice. And basically what it is, is it's a way for, um, usually it's, they target like, you know, minority groups. So it could be, you know, racial minorities. In this case, you know, people with disabilities as a minority group um, is the way it was presented. So people with mental illness sort of framing their experiences through the use of photography. And so this is the idea based on the idea that, you know, you are your own you are an expert in recovery if you are yourself in recovery because of the fact that recovery is such an individualized uh, experience. You know, I am no more experienced in it, you know, as a user or I guess, uh, you know, as somebody with the lived experience, user doesn't sound right there, um, as anybody else, you know. And so there is a type of research out there, actually. This is grounded in research, um, participatory action research, which basically involves the participants of the study. So say, you know, you get, um, as an example, you, you know, you get in your email uh, an invitation to take part in a survey, you know, through your school uh, research study survey, and you fill it out. This would be the equivalent of, like, them contacting you or you actually having a, a role in some sort of thing involved with that study. So it might be the people prior to it uh, that were interested in learning about the topic got together and helped to develop the survey uh, and gave feedback for, uh, to the investigators. Uh, but it could come afterwards, too, to help with interpreting the data, um, aggregating it, presenting it, you know, participatory action. So the participants are performing actions geared towards furthering the research. Um, so photo voice is a way to basically capture the elements of what it's like to experience, in this case, a mental illness, but it could be applied to many other, you know, disadvantaged populations and sort of frame it in the, in a artistic way, uh, in a poignant way, uh, in a way that really illustrates what it's like to be you living in this world with a mental illness. Um, so, you know, they could be really, you know, powerful images that, you know, you're just amazed that people were able to capture that. And they can also be just sort of everyday images that you, you know, may walk by a, a visual representation of every day and just, you know, never see it in the way that this person sees it. So I, uh, I'm going to read, let's see, I'm going to find something here. So I'm reading off their website, Our Vision and Mission. Photo Voice's vision is for a world in which everybody has the opportunity to represent themselves and tell their own story. Our mission is to promote the ethical use of photography for positive social change, delivering innovative participatory photography projects. By working in partnership with organizations, communities, and individuals worldwide, we will build the skills and capacity of underrepresented or at-risk communities, creating new tools of self-advocacy and communication. So this is uh, something that I think people that li the listen might be interested in. So I just kind of wanted to bring it up because I know that there's groups out there, you know, um, I'm thinking of like 
on-campus groups, you know, that relate to um, supporting people with mental health issues um, or mentorship stuff or, um, you know, maybe you're in a sorority or fraternity or looking to do a project. Um, I think this is a really cool project to bring to your school. And uh, so they are an organization based in, I believe it's uh, England, I think they're based out of. And so I will include a link to the website, but it is photovoice.org. If you're just listening and want to Google, it's pretty easy. Uh, If you want to learn more information, Uh, again, really powerful way to get the message out there about what it's like to experience uh, living day to day with a mental illness and, you know, hopefully positively enact some sort of social change towards improving it. All right. So, yeah, again, that's all I had for that. I was thinking of bringing somebody on uh, and it just, uh, yeah, I wasn't able to make it happen, but I did want to bring it to people's attention because uh, I don't know if I am going to get that opportunity. All right, let's get into the second topic. I'm going to talk about a book that I am just finishing up. Uh, So I have talked about this author previously, Nicholas Nassim Taleb. I reviewed one of his books, oh, a while ago. Let's see if I can find it here. No, I can't. Uh, It was called Anti-Fragile was the book that I looked for. So you could search for that in the uh, search box. I, I actually have been, I'm, I'm hyping the search box today on my on the website for the uh, podcast because I've actually been using it recently. I, I used to just know the, the podcast episodes, you know, and the titles, but now when you've gotten to over 100, I, I just can't recall like, you know, even seasons when I did episodes anymore. So I've been using the search box to quickly find episodes and I'm amazed at how well it works because so often I find using search boxes on websites just lead you nowhere. Um, Um, So search for it if you're interested in a previous book that I did on this author, uh, Antifragile. He released a new book in February called Skin in the Game. And uh, I am just such a big fan of Nicholas Nassim Taleb's. He just, his ideas really resonate with me. Um, he has his set of detractors. You know, there are certainly people that are not fans of him, his, and particularly of his writing style. Um, this is not the kind of book, although I really enjoyed it, it's not typically the kind of book that I would recommend. Be like, you all should go out and read this yourselves, uh, because chances are you may hate it. Um, he has a very, I don't want to say condescending, but maybe others would. Um, but he believes what he believes and he's, um, not afraid to talk descriptively about what he does not believe. Um, so what does he believe when it comes to skin in the game? Um, the premise of the book is pretty simple. Um, if you think about the, the term skin in the game, right? Um, you may have heard it, you know, applied in a wide variety of settings, um, so, for, you know, a typical example might be like, oh, you know, I am a fan of the New York Yankees baseball. Oh, I'm so happy it's back. And so I just casually, I'm a casual fan, right? I watch the games and if I, they win, that's great. I cheer. If they lose, yeah, it sucks. But if they lose, uh, I don't really, you know, have any 
horrible thing that happens to me. You know, I don't have any skin in the game uh, of baseball when it comes to the New York Yankees. Now, if I were to go to, say, Las Vegas and put down a bet, uh, a gambling wager, to uh, wager that the Yankees would win their game tonight, and, and say I, I bet 100 bucks. I don't even know how betting in baseball works, to be honest. So let's just say I did that, and, uh, and then I went to watch the game. Uh, there is a different mindset now. Now, all of a sudden, I have some skin in the actual literal game, the baseball game. The skin is the money. Uh, so if they win, I'm going to have a direct benefit. Uh, and if they lose, I'm also going to have a direct loss, you know, something that, you know, negative that happens, right? All right, this is a pretty basic premise. I probably didn't even need to go into that level of depth. You're all college students or higher, I assume, but I just wanted to set the stage. Okay, so think about people's careers, okay? Uh, think about yourselves right now, students. Uh, you are presumably you know, paying some kind of tuition. If you're not, you're, you're charged a tuition and it's being paid for you somehow, either through a grant or through a scholarship. Uh, awesome. But um, you, in all likelihood, have some skin in the game when it comes to the college process, right? Uh, if you do well... You, you know, you'll get what you came for, right? The degree or something else. Uh, if you don't perform, if you don't perform, you, your, your skin is, you know, you lose the game, right? Uh, you don't get the degree. You perhaps may fail, whatever. So what about job? What other types of like professions do you think about when you think about skin in the game? Well, Talib talks about, you know, for instance, a doctor, Right, a doctor. You may think about a doctor and be like, "Well, you know, if a, a patient comes in and says, you know, they have these kinds of symptoms, and the doctor, you know, diagnoses them and gives them a prescription to cure their, you know, their issue, um, you know, the doctor doesn't have any skin in the game in that it's not their body." But it is their medical practice on the line, right? So if he messes up and commits malpractice, he could expect his ass to get sued, right? Um, and so that's where the skin in the game of the doctor comes in, right? If you're a plumber, right, and you have your customers and you botch a job and fucks up somebody's property, you know, you're not going to have their business anymore, and in today's day and age, not only are you going to have, have uh, suffer that loss, you're also probably going to experience potentially the loss of other customers now that that person has a voice. That person can go on the internet, they could go on Yelp, they could talk negatively about their experience, and people are going to go on the internet or, or go on Google and be like, oh, look at these negative reviews. You know, I'm not going to, you know... Talk to, go to this guy. Um, conversely, you get fantastic service. Uh, you're going to write positive reviews. People are going to see that. And, you know, the skin in the game is going to benefit you positively. So all sorts of trades, you know, where people's livelihoods depend on them providing quality service to ensure that customers keep coming back to them and that they tell their friends, um, you know, they have skin in the game. Artisans, you know, any kind of artist has to put their best foot forward, right? Who who out there doesn't have skin in the game? 
Well, let's think about it, right? Uh, let's think about uh, Taleb's, you know, some of his favorite targets. Uh, politicians, right? Politicians, legislators, any, any kind of bureaucrat. Um, what is their skin in the game, right? If they enact laws and those laws turn out to be unfavorable, what, what do they lose, right? They might lose their seat, you know, in Congress, but you know, beyond that, they're not going to suffer any personal consequences, right? Think back to the financial crisis uh, of 2007, 2008. You guys may, some of you may be too young to really understand the impact of it. Like when I was going through it, I really didn't understand what was going on. Um, but the people that were primarily responsible for that crisis, um, mortgage bankers and uh, and the whatnot, you know, they did not experience any kind of repercussions for, you know, almost, you know, bankrupting, you know, or causing, you know, a, a huge depression event. Um, so who else? Bankers, uh, faculty, <laughs> college faculty, uh, researchers and whatnot. Uh, he holds a particular loathing for because if their research turns out to be wrong, yeah, it doesn't matter. They don't experience any kind of great big loss. Um, journalists, right? Journalists writes a uh, inf- unfactual story. The damage could be done to somebody, uh, even if it gets corrected later. Uh, journalists typically, you know, will, will get to keep their job, right? So think about the people out there that you interact with that have skin in the game, and the people out there that don't, who are you going to be more likely to trust, right? That's really what the element of this book, you know, is about. Um, and I agree with it. You know, I think about it from this aspect. Uh, I used to talk about, you know, one of the big things I was into, and I'm, I, I still am, but I just don't talk about it as much, um, like, you know, the stock market. And I'm interested in, um, you know, I just love the market in general. And I don't even mean the stock market. I just mean you know, the market, any kind of market where there's this, um, you know, exchange of goods and is based on the principles of supply and demand. Um, I, I'm fascinated by it um, because there's often, you know, something that Taleb talks a lot about, asymmetries in life, right? Uh, where it's like the upside is uh, disproportionate to the downside or vice versa. The downside is disproportionate to the upside. So he talks a lot about this in the, in his in this book as well. Uh, this idea that the minority rules the majority, and this is one reason I'm bringing up this book for college students to kind of think about this idea. He gives the example of um, kosher food, right? And I think about this. I, I've thought about this before in the past. This idea that you know, uh, a lot of times I I look at the labels of the food that I eat and see that it's kosher, and it's like, oh, well, cool. Uh, it really doesn't matter to me. I do not, you know, I'm not, you know, practicing, you know, when it comes to the halal. Um, so if I eat kosher food, it, it makes no difference to me. It doesn't taste any different. Uh, so, you know, all things being equal, it doesn't really matter to me. And now I would imagine that I represent the vast majority of Americans, at least. Um, yet in a lot of countries, uh, halal food is the predominant 
you know, food that's available. So there's this like asymmetry. The minority of people that demand halal food um, get it because the majority didn't really give a shit, right? You guys, you you know, I'll eat halal food. I don't care. Um, so how does this work with people who have disabilities, right? Think about the different accommodations that have come about due to things like the Americans with Disabilities Act, you know, curb cuts and sidewalks, for instance, you know, um, do is there really anybody out there against curb cuts and sidewalks? I actually found out there is at least one person. Um, <laughs> I can't really get into it. Um, but you wouldn't think there would be, right? Um, because not even just people with disabilities or in wheelchairs and whatnot benefit from something like a curb cut in a sidewalk. A curb cut is like those basically like those ramps as opposed to an actual step. Um, you know, they're really convenient for people that are using, you know, pushing baby strollers. Uh, they're great for bicyclists, uh, people riding skateboards, small children. You know, it's not just the person with a wheelchair or a cane that benefits from a curb cut. Uh, so if the minority of people demand it, not very many people require a curb cut in a side sidewalk, but the majority doesn't care, yeah, they went out, right? So think about this when you are considering your advocacy efforts um, or requests that you make to your school, especially if you are part of like a larger group on campus, you know, and have slightly larger voice. You can make requests that if they don't really impact the majority are going to be more likely to be considered because the majority is going to be like, well, if it's really not any big um, inconvenience to me, you know, so be it. Fine. You want to install a curb cut? Great. You want to put halal food in the menu instead of regular food as long as it tastes the same and costs the same? Great. So I think this is an important aspect for people with disabilities to think about this idea that the minority in a lot of cases really does rule the majority. Uh, when you're considering things that the majority isn't going to really be impacted um, in a negative way. If they don't care, think about how you might leverage that movement into, you know, positive social change. Um, so, oh, I was talking about the stock market. I wanted to talk about, so they have, um, I was talking about my interest in it. And before I really um, started using real money, <laughs> um, you know, I didn't really have a firm grasp of it as much as I do now, now that I'm actually invested in the stock market, nor did I really pay attention or care to the degree that I care now. Um, so when you put your skin in the game, when you put money on the line, uh, when you put your career or reputation on the line, um, you stand to benefit, right? Um, but you also stand to be educated in a way that you couldn't if you didn't have that same skin in the game. Uh, so, you know, that's why I think like if you want to learn about the stock market, really the best way is not to just, you know, read Google Finance or whatever. It would be to like set up an account on E-Trade and just start trading or actually Robinhood would be better um, because they have um, free uh, no commission trading, right? So this is great for somebody that doesn't have a lot of money because oftentimes their money gets eaten up in trading. But Robinhood is is pretty cool. It's an app. Um, I actually don't. I, I have no 
experience with it, but I would definitely recommend it based on other people that I've heard, and I can link to that as well. Um, so the best way to learn about trading would be to actually start trading, which is, you know, small amounts, but those small amounts still mean something to you and they will force you to learn because you'll experience the highs of like what happens, uh, to a fuller experience. Um, it's the same way that, you know, we approach and, and value the experience of peers. They have skin in the game, right? They have that lived experience. So the last thing related to this book uh, skin in the game that I want to talk about is uh, Taleb's Silver Rule, which is probably the most uh, mind-blowing thing that I really picked up on. Um, and I think he's talked about this in his other books as well, but it came through for me in this book. So we all know the golden rule, right? Um, I was certainly drilled into my head as a uh, you know God-fearing Christian being brought up uh, in my family growing up. We were, uh, you know, I was raised in the Lutheran faith, but I imagine just about all religions uh, acknowledge some form of the golden rule, right? And if you haven't heard it, it's, it's some variation of do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? Um, and we, we teach our son this, you know, and, and it's, it's just this kind of like universally accepted uh, truism that uh, many people feel, you know, as a high, has a high degree of moral authority. What Taleb advocates for instead is the silver rule, um, which is essentially the inverse of the golden rule. So it is don't do to others what you don't want done to you. And he actually favors this because the golden rule really invites uh, a high degree of interventionist opportunity, right? So think about the golden rule again. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Do unto others, do to other people what you want other people to do to you. So what if you like the fact that you have to, you know, pay an extra tax to support this social program uh, and you agree with it? Let's say you agree with it. Do unto others as you would have them. So I'm going to, you know, basically oblige that you should also pay this tax, right? I'm just using a stupid example. Um, But it invites this idea that if you believe something, that you should have, that the other people around you should have this sort of similar shared uh, experience, and we almost have this obligation and such. But think about the op- the inverse. Don't do to others what you don't want done to you. Really negates this, right? Um, so I want you guys to think, I'm not going to get too much into the, the philosophical of it, but I think that the way that my, you know, morals and philosophy about, you know, life fits. The silver rule is a much more um, liberating way to live. Um, it really is the way the Hippocratic Oath, which is the, all, the oath that all doctors uh, take, and there, nobody seems to question that, you know, and the essence of that oath is do no harm, you know, don't fuck people up. <laughs> um, so you don't have an obligation to cure everybody, Right? Because that's an un, unreasonable obligation. But don't do anything to hurt people. 
So that's really the, the, the best way that I can illustrate the silver rule and why I think it might be a little bit better way to think about life, society, a community, and you know, skin in the game. So if you're interested, I will also link to this in the show notes. If you're interested, I have the uh, audio book, of course, because I'm a fan of uh, Audible. Uh, anyway, last thing I'm going to talk a little bit about is lifestyle design. So I, I think I touch on this with different episodes over the years. You know, certainly when I think about all the times I've stressed things like having a structure and a routine to your life and how habits, healthy habits, are really the driver of good positive change and, and, and wellness, overall total wellness. Um, I think a lot of that falls under this idea of designing your life in a way that's, you know, pleasing to you. So you've already started this. You know, as college students or as college faculty, you're a little bit further along, you faculty out there. But think back, if you may, to what it was like when you first left high school, right? Because everything up until high school, your life is designed for you. The idea is if you continue to, it's very easy to fall into this trap of not really being empowered to assume responsibility for designing your life. And when people don't assume that responsibility and take the opportunity, I would call it, to design your own lifestyle, it will be designed for you. By who? Well, it depends. You know, your job, um, your, I don't know, significant other, your family, your school and that you know that's really the first time when you get to college or when you get out of high school not everybody goes to college that's really where you start to take these steps in earnest right so the school you choose has a lot you know of impact on your the design of your lifestyle if you choose a school far away from home your lifestyle is going to change much more than if you choose a school and continue to live at home and and commute locally um, the type of school you pick, you know, if you go away, you know, from a rural school that is small or a liberal arts school that's sort of out of the way to a large urban state school, the lifestyle design differences are going to be tremendous. So you're already probably experiencing this, whether it was a conscious decision or not. Some people really didn't consider it, I bet. They made their decision about where to go to college primarily based on the degree pro- program that they were interested in. Um, that's, that's a big reason. I mean, that's why I primarily chose the schools that I did was the degree program. But then when it came down to, okay, I got accepted into you know two or three schools, now how do I decide? Lifestyle design choices were factored in at that point. Um, I chose Rutgers over, it was Springfield College in Massachusetts. Uh, the reasons that I chose were it was a little, it was about an hour closer to my home where I grew up. Uh, and so I was still, I wanted to be away, but I didn't want to be that far away, you know, so I was staying in the Northeast regardless. So I liked the, the idea that it was just, you know, a two hour drive home and a three hour, you know, wouldn't have been so bad, but, um, 
all things being equal, that was you know far away enough, but also close enough that it was uh, manageable to go home for a weekend, and also being so close, like having the the mass transit options of being like right in a city. New Brunswick that had the train and I could go to New York and it was so close and I could go to Philly now like those things really um, were big things that that made Rutgers win out for me uh, over the other options that I had so the school you pick the degree you choose has a lot right so if you're going to pick a very rigorous major that is highly competitive um, be prepared to have a lifestyle that involves a lot of studying and not everybody wants that. Some people think they want it, but don't really consider it until after they really get into it. I'm seeing more and more posts like this on Reddit where, uh, and this is usually the R College uh, subreddit, where people will go on and be like, you know, I'm really not sure which school I should pick, you know, this one or that one. And people are starting to realize it, and they're really talking about, you know, students that are giving feedback or talking about these things. You know, it's like pick what's going to make you happy um, because the happiness or the contentment that you get and satisfaction is going to, you know, drive you or sustain you when things get really tough. And also being practical at the same time to be like, don't go to your dream school if it's, you know, $120,000, if you're going to come out and get a degree where you're only earning $30,000. Like people are starting to figure out and do the math. And so if they do not want a lifestyle where they're going to have to service a huge debt upon graduation, begin with the end in mind. You know, it was something from a previous podcast too. We talked about the... Um, Seven habits, seven habits of highly effective people. Again, no idea. That was like first season. That's going way back. Um, but that's uh, that was a really powerful book for me. And that was one of the seven habits: is begin with the end in mind. So thinking about what you know beyond your degree, beyond your class schedule. Another way that students design their lives, right? Are you taking an online class? or an in-person class? If so, what time are those classes? Do you have other days of the week that you need for yourself or your own um, mental health well-being or others? Um, but then when you get to the job, you know, what is the career going to look like? Faculty, now you can step in and be like, you know, you might love it, right? I know I do. Um, I was listening to some some fellow students in my class this week who are not working in the department. They're students in the PhD program who are working in you know the community mental health field and considering a, a career, what it would be like to work in academia. And they're like, you know, I just don't know um, because, you know, what if I don't like it and I'm spending all this money? And I'm like, I could totally – I can empathize with that in a way because um, – I I would worry about that if I were in their positions too, knowing what I know about, you know, the lifestyle of, you know, my profession, having now experienced it, I don't know, it would be very hard for me to go back to the more nine to five type of lifestyle that people in community mental health uh, pretty much need to have uh, more, be more open to, you know, I don't have a nine to five job. I am expected to get my work done, uh, and as long as that happens, you know, my supervisors are happy. Uh, I have classes I have to teach. Those classes, you know, there's really no doubt about it. I 
can't have a day where I just don't show up or call out sick. Like that just doesn't happen. Um, I, if I was really sick, I would get somebody to cover, but there's not, there's not an option for me to just be like, nah, I'm just not going to have the class. Um, so perhaps somebody that really hates working in the evenings, cause I do, you know, six to night, nine are our standard classes. So well, one, two, maybe even three nights a week. If you don't want to be out until nine o'clock, well, this isn't going to be the right job for you. Maybe the nine to five is better, right? Does it matter that you have your weekends off? You know, so in the beginning, though, this isn't what you should be focused on, right? So beginning with the end in mind, thinking about what the eventual career might look like shouldn't deter you from accepting entry-level positions uh, with the idea that I can't be picky about my lifestyle design if I want to end up, you know, at this spot right? I got to start doing the grunt work. You know, I have to work the crappy shifts because only you can't be handed your, you know, perfect schedule if you have, you know, don't have the seniority. That's just, you know, a real world example that's going to apply in, in all different aspects of a career and life. You know, I couldn't just walk in when I got um, assigned to be a full-time instructor and say, oh, okay, now that I'm instructor, I'd like this course, this course, and this course, please. It was like, no, you're going to take what you're given, and, you know, only after a few years you, might you ha- earn the ability to have more of a say. Um, so consider lifestyle design. Consider it at every stage of your life um, and begin with the end in mind. You know, have this idea. And if you don't know what the end is, okay, I understand, you know. But maybe then have an end in terms of something more broad. All right, I don't know what specific uh, job I want to get when I grow up or when I get out of college, but I know I want to get into blah, blah, blah field, right? Um, And that's good enough for that point. So, all right. Hopefully this was uh, helpful and, you know, we bounced around a little bit. Um, I... um, I don't know. I enjoyed it. So let's see for next week. All right. So this is my plan for wrapping up. Uh, I believe I'm just going to do one more one more episode at this point uh, for this season, and then uh, call it a wrap. I think I might I might be cutting it a, a short a week early. Um, but I just like I said, I, I don't have a specific topic in mind. I'm not going to you know purposely manufacture one that I'm not really you know, super passionate about or knowledgeable about. I just don't feel like that works for me anymore. Uh, So, you know, part of, you know, lifestyle design for me has been this podcast, right? For the longest time, this has been a very manageable way for me to do something that I really love. And, you know, what make it what I think is, you know, meaningful content, you know, put something out there that I am proud of in a way that doesn't, in a way that works for my lifestyle, right? Uh, I don't have to leave the house to do it. It helps me to um, improve my like social interactions. Like I reach out to people that I would never reach out to, and for, you know, improve my network. There's lots of things, and I'm going to get into a lot of that next week um, on my last episode. Um, but you know, not having the idea, you know, an idea in head. I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna roll with it at this point. So. Uh, the final episode of the season, uh, and really of of 
the regular seasons. Oh, so the last thing about lifestyle design, I just kind of didn't finish my point there. Uh, it's gotten to the point now where, you know, podcasting doesn't really as fit as well with my, my lifestyle, you know. Um, I don't have as much time to dedicate during the semester to, you know, not so much even recording the episodes, but putting the depth into, you know, researching them, developing ideas, um, setting up interviews. You know, it's it's a bit of a process um, beyond just the recording. Uh, so, you know, that's why I'm going to phase into something else uh, with the idea that I'm still I still love doing it. And I'm going to continue to do it. Uh, I even have, you know, I, I reached, I've been in touch with uh, one student who's uh, debating whether or not they they would like to uh, come on the show. And so if so, you know, that might be one that I release, you know, pretty soon after I, I you know, end this season. So um, next week or the week after, it may take me two weeks to put this one together, but there'll be one more episode and it's going to be a final wrap up. Uh, and it will be a, a sort of an introspective episode. So I will touch on, you know, the goal for this season, which has uh, not come to fruition the way I had envisioned. Oh, well. Um, but also just um, things that I've learned about people with mental illness, college students, faculty, and most importantly, things I've learned about myself um, in 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 doing this podcast, you know, so definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, I hope to have it out next week, but if I if I don't get the time that I need to develop it, I'm going to take an extra week, but I'll definitely have it out by for you by then. So with that, uh, have a great week, everybody. Keep kicking ass. This is the, uh, the, the nose to the grindstone time, you know, keep your head down, keep cranking out that work. You know, take your, do your self-care, manage your mental health the best way you know how, reach out to your supports and your resources, and, uh, you know, we'll keep on trucking, right? All right, take care, everybody. Peace.